Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. If you are listening to this episode, thank you so much for joining us. Please take a moment to leave us a review, leave us a comment. If you want to send us an email about any topics you'd like to hear or any feedback, the email address is going to be located in the show notes for you. And if you wouldn't mind snapping a photo or the screenshot of the image while you're listening right now and posting it so we can reach a larger audience, we would greatly appreciate your help and support. Yeah, keep sharing the word. We're trying to get that word about positive change out in musical theater to each and every one of you. Tim, what puzzler do you have for us today? Name three musicals that were originally choreographed by Agnes DeMille. Oh, I adore Agnes DeMille. Who doesn't? Genius. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant choreographer. Well, we will circle back at the end of this episode and we will discover that answer together. Perfect. I can't wait. So what's in the news? A few things I wanted to mention. First is that... I mean, dun, 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 surprise, yet not surprise. There is another film being turned into a musical. There is. I can't believe it. I've never heard of this idea. (laughs) So we all... I think I see a theme happening for these last five years. Absolutely. No pun intended. We we all know The Karate Kid. I love The Karate Kid. 1984, classic martial arts film starring the Ralph Macchio and Mm -hmm. Pat Morita. And if you do not know The Karate Kid, go watch the film. But this film is going to be made into a musical. No dates are set yet from what I have read and and heard, but a few other notes have been mentioned about it. Yeah, what's really exciting is renowned Japanese director Aman Miyamoto has signed on to helm the musical. And we're going to go back to the original film screenwriter, uh, Robert Mark is going to uh, Robert Mark Kamen is going to be joining the project as well, and we're going to hear Drew Grasparini pen the score to this show. So, I am curious. I hope they bring back the song "You're the Best Around." Nothing's ever gonna break you down. That's like the best song at the very end of the show when like Ralph Macchio does his thing and he like beats everybody and gets the play. Sorry, I'm just a little too okay. excited about the Karate Kid. Hey, you've got Britney Spears. I, I've got the Karate Kid. I guess yeah, I'll give that one to you. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. As I stare at you while you're like doing a full dance here at the desk at least cool. all, at least all these like movies that are being adapted to musicals are like around the period that i grew up on so like it's all of that's my true favorite me shows. too oh I no of course i'm not saying that like I'm uh-huh. that much also i wanted to mention that oklahoma the revival is has closed on broadway about a week ago yeah january 19th it just closed as it was slated to but it is scheduled for a national tour coming this fall which is really exciting so we're going to see the same daniel fish concept that took place uh at circle in the square uh and on a larger national scale so i'm really curious to see how it does on a tour because it's such a unique visual concept and the the scenic environment is very specific so i'll be curious to see how that translates to the proscenium like places like you know here in la the amundsen or the pantages and Uh, if people will receive that musical mm -hmm. what the what the response will be because when you think of oh i'm going to see the musical oklahoma many people many folks in other parts of the country which is why we love tours many folks get to see a a national tour that's coming from broadway but they may not be aware of this revival of broadway and this actual concept which is much different than most people see mm-hmm. 
And I'm just wondering if they're going to serve chili like they did. They have to. It's, it's to and cornbread is totally part of the 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 product of the show. And and again, touring, it's in a different kind of scenic environment than we're typically used to seeing. So, sure. So be curious. And then Mean Girls. <laughs> not the musical. Not the movie. Not the movie. But Mean Girls, the musical, is going to be made into a film. So so let's uh, let's give you a little timeline here. So, of course, we all remember the movie Mean Girls, which inspired Tina Fey to adapt it into a musical, mm -hmm. which has been running very successfully on Broadway. And because of that success, now it's going to be converted back into a movie musical. Okay. So we're kind of coming full circle with Mean Girls. I was starting to think about Mean Girls and how it does include themes of bullying mm -hmm. and how... Young folks these days, words matter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the language that we use in our industry matters. And recently I was reading my the history, the textbook that I have been using for my musical theater history class. It's an, a new edition of a textbook. Mm -hmm. And I recently came across a couple of language phrases that were used in my textbook. Oh, that's right. We were talking about this mm -hmm. just a couple weeks ago. Yes. And there was one that kind of came up across and struck me as, as very much a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. So this textbook is called Musical Theater, A History, and it is written by John Kenrick. And the paragraph that I just want to read to you states this. And this is in re reference to Oklahoma. This is in reference to Oklahoma. They utilize the term... When they're talking about Ado Annie, he utilizes the term in a subsidiary plot, good natured neighborhood slut Ado Annie must give up and then it continues on. And that's in quotes, right? Yes, that is quoted. So he utilizes the term neighborhood slut Ado Annie. And this is in an educational textbook that's meant to use for classes. Wow. And that really struck me oddly because... I know in a different time that perhaps that term would have been used. I know that we're not Maybe all, not. I don't know. Maybe it's a, not. It's a very harsh word. You're right. It is. And I know that we talk about this quite often that some people want to be called curvy, but some people like plus size. Some people right, like right. to use the word fat because they're empowering that word and taking it back. And I know that we're not going to make everyone happy, mm -hmm. but this is really not cool to me. It was very offensive to me and, that and we're describing Ado Annie as a neighborhood slut just because she sings a song about sex. Right. And we know, you know, the characteristics of Ado Annie. She's flirtatious. She's fun. She's lively. She's energetic. She's got a ton of spunk and a ton of personality. And that's very well indicated in the show, especially because of her song, I Can't Say No. Sure. And she is talking about I Can't Say No to Being with Men. And, and we get that. And what's important about a musical theater history book is that a history book, whether it's musical theater history or U.S. history or world history, it has to remain objective. Absolutely. And where we start to cross a weird kind of funny line is when these kinds of textbooks start to take a subjective view to things. And there were there are many people out there that are listening to this that may argue that, you know, in 2020, slut now is a word that is acceptable 
to uh, that that women are taking back to empower themselves or people are taking back to empower empowering the word again sure and there are folks out there that pro- probably are doing that but in the context of this textbook when you're the the other characters that were described were not described with any terminology especially, that harsh especially the male yes characters. and let me give you another example here in the same textbook it states this is in referring to the musical the black crook mm-hmm. so this was 1866 when right. this musical was written. It was one of the first, quote, established musicals done by accident. And mm-hmm. take our history class if you want to learn <laughs> more about it. But it says this about the Black Crook. And it's talking about the ladies in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Quote, these ladies were not classic beauties. And they most definitely are well nourished. And what does that mean? End quote. Okay. What is a classic beauty? What is his interpretation? Oh my gosh, of what a classic beauty is? So he's using the term classic beauty to describe an ensemble member, mm-hmm. uh, ensemble member, mm-hmm. and that they are definite. They are most. He says, and they most definitely are well nourished. And we're talking about ladies in 1866, and. The fact that you're referring to someone based on their body type, I just think we are beyond that in 2020. And this textbook was written two years ago. But what's the point of bringing that up? That's my question. Now, we, we talk about, you know, that uh, in the early early 1900s and late 1860s in our classes that uh, you see a lot of the exploitation of women for monetary gain in musicals like sure. Foreign Ziegfeld Follies and, Absolutely. and The Black Crook is a perfect example. But why in 2020, when we're creating a book, trying to attempting to change the conversation about the perspective of women and men uh, or anybody, uh, why, why would we use this kind of terminology? And, and what is his interpretation of classic beauty? That's not my, maybe it's not my interpretation or your interpretation. And I think that's very subjective. And I think that's something that is a major red flag and very problematic in musical theater history texts. And I think we can take this a step further. I think if we ourselves start to think about how we address each other as actors, Mm -hmm. as character quote types, which we're not using the term type anymore, we're starting to get away from that. We need to, we we need to, we kind of let, need to let this idea of type die a slow death because it is not something that we should be using, especially in the kinds of musicals in 2019, 2020 that are being used today. Yes. And describing either an actor or a character as, you know, the oh, the uh, uh, busty, uh, lee, busty supporting female role, mm-hmm. or the or the ingenue, or the leading man or yes, woman, or I think the, that's so... the the handsome leading man that's a strapping man that can get all the girls. Like we have to stop categorizing characters like that, but we also have to stand up to stop speaking about actors in reviews. And mm-hmm. in 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 with critics utilizing their reviews to say, oh, that actress that played that role. So, for example, for me, yeah. oh, Ashley Espinosa, the the shorter, thin-haired, blonde pixie, like describing someone based upon what they look like. Right, and that's that has nothing to do with. My ability Your as an ability actor. as a performer on stage and everything to do with what you look like or how somebody perceives that you look like, either good or bad. And that is completely, that is has nothing to do with your work, your body of work as a performer. And we need to move away from that. And I just wanted to speak to the idea of t- type again real quick. I think if you look at any of the musicals that are being written today, 
especially the ones in the last you know couple of years, we are seeing a movement towards much more complexity in terms of storytelling and in terms of who these types of characters are. And again, moving away from the word type, I preach to my students that I want to see you come into the room as the most most authentic version of yourself. And I want to see what you bring to the table in terms of your humanity. I don't want to see you trying to take on the air of a, an archetype or a mold of a type of person. I don't care about that. That that kind of ide- ideology needs to needs to go away. We need to focus on the humanity of the performer and what unique aspects of their performance they can bring to the table. And then as a director, and as a choreographer and as a musical director on a vocal end, we need to make sure that we exploit the unique facets of every individual on stage. Sure. And we're not basing, can someone play a role because they look like the the sidekick, you know, and we're going to put them and we're going to pad them in a fat mm-hmm. suit and we're making them look like, um, what's the role in um, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Uh, um, uh, nicely, nicely. That's usually padded. That's made to be a quote, overweight person or an, mm-hmm. an, um, I don't even want to use the overweight because that's how he's referred to, but a person of that, of a different size. But why not find someone that's just appropriate for that role? Right. And why, just because some, just because Sutton Foster played a whatever role, does that role need to be tall and lanky just because she was? That just happened to be her body type. Mm-hmm. And so we have to move away from saying, oh, I'm not the look for that leading man type. No, abs- why? Why? You can be any role you want to be if you can bring your authentic self into that role. Look at the revival of Oklahoma. All of the characters in there were completely different than what it, or quote originally was done. And ultimately, we've talked about this before in our in our episode of what you can control and what you can't control. Ultimately, the director is going to the director is going to determine the overall visual makeup of the show based on their concept. And so, all you can do as a performer is go in and be true to who you are in terms of your vocal ability, your dance ability, and your acting ability. And let the cards fall as they may. And the director will decide in turn if who you are fits the world of their show. And I think something else that we need to remember is this is what I tell my students and those that I'm working with at my private studio. And what I tell even myself is that stop thinking of yourself as a, a type. Stop mm-hmm. thinking of yourself as, well, this is the look that I fall into, or this is, there's no categories anymore. That's done. And we have to really start saying, what roles are you drawn to? Mm-hmm. What roles make you excited? What are you passionate about? What what roles uh, are you excited to perform and passionate about performing in? Yes. And that you can't count yourself out. You cannot say to yourself, you know what? I'm not normally that type. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not normally the Christine in Phantom of the Opera. I don't look like that. You know, one of the scariest things that I hear from students everywhere uh, where I teach and when I do master classes, the students that say, I don't know who I am. Oh my gosh. You know, and I'm, and, and in college, that's a great opportunity. When you're training, it's a great opportunity. That's where you learn to yes. discover who you are. And my hope is that training institutions across the country are starting to encourage students to to speak to their own self-worth and their own self-discovery. And take control mm-hmm. of who they are and what they want to be. And that is something that we really want everyone to start talking about and thinking about. Well, I think we try to box ourselves in because we try to look at the body of work that you know has been created up to this point and say, okay, 
I need to fit these kinds of roles. Sure. And it's hard as a performer to trust that your humanity is enough in the room. Oh my gosh, absolutely. You know, to say, I'm Tim, I have this kind of vocal quality. This is what makes me tick. I'm a, I'm a violinist. I do this, I do this, I do this and this. And to trust that in the room is a very difficult thing because we want so badly to book, get booked and blessed. And we want to make sure that we are... Booked and blessed. <laughs> you know, that word I, I use that <laughs> phrase in class. Oh, geez. But we want so badly to fit into what a the mold. director wants us to. And that's that's antithetical. We need to go in and bring our humanity and our truth into the room. And you're going to hear, I think, more and more, many directors, especially on bigger stages, say this. Uh, the ones that are coming up in the ranks. Mm-hmm. We just want to see who you are. We want to see who you are as a human human being and what you can bring to the table and how best you shine mm-hmm. because that's what it's about. I can't tell you how many coaching sessions I've done with people the last month that come in. They're like, I don't know who I am. And I only have music in my book that's like golden age. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything else. Any pop rock or anything no. new or, or, or interesting or different or off the cuff. Sure. And the first thing I say is, great, what's the, f- pull pull your favorite, your go-to, right? Your money cutter, we always call it. Pull your money cutter song. Let's sing that. Mm-hmm. And you know what they do? Um, um, well, just pull me your favorite song in your book that you know you just kill. Uh, uh, <laughs> and so I think that that's what's missing. We have to make sure that we are bringing in our authentic self and that we are teaching folks, whether you go to college or not, because some folks don't don't mm-hmm. go to college for mm-hmm. whatever reason, that you are learning and training with people that are saying and guiding you to finding and discovering who you are as a human being mm-hmm. and how you can best bring that into the musical theater world and showcase that in the, you know, eight, 16, 32 bars we get. Absolutely. And I think that's the ideal training environment today. The landscape of training today in the musical theater requires you to obviously have strong foundation in singing, dancing, and acting in many different forms and making sure that you are uh, the program and the curriculum and the the way that uh, you're being taught is evolving with the changing nature of the, with the changing nature of the business. Well, and if you don't go to college that you are training with people that are giving you the same Mm one-on-one because not everyone is going to go to college. Mm -hmm. Training with people that are giving you that information and what the most important thing is synthesizing Mm -hmm. all of those elements together because you may be able to sing amazing but if nothing is going on there's no acting (laughs) then what's the point Mm -hmm. and so being able to synthesize all of those elements together that is really what is going to be able to allow you to showcase who you are also Knowing that when you synthesize all of these components of your training, ultimately, you need to have such a grasp of them that you can walk in the room and forget about it and just be yourself in the room. And trust that when the time is right, your training is going to be there to serve you. I think that's the scariest thing for performers to accept the fact that is... They, they don't need to go in the room and show their technique. They need to go and forget their technique so that so that the humanity is the driving factor in the audition. And so going back to this idea that words matter, the way that we talk about ourselves, the words that we choose to use mm-hmm. to express who we are and to talk about other people in this industry and to talk about characters and to talk about other human beings really do matter. The way we speak to each other, the way that we mentor our younger people, 
we really need to move away from you're the the slutty whore type that's going to do best little whorehouse and you know those slutty roles those slutty sexy oh my gosh, roles that's, that's what i heard you know in college in undergrad coming sure up. you're gonna play the strapping man that gets all the women because you're a sexy handsome man like what does that mean that means nothing that doesn't tell me anything about who you are as a human being and we and, have to just change mm-hmm. the nature so that the folks not only coming up that are younger, but all of us, no matter how old you are, feel like we are in an environment where we can be us and that that is enough. Absolutely. So, Tim, <laughs> what's the answer to our puzzler about Agnes DeMille? Name three musicals that were originally choreographed by Agnes DeMille. Oh my gosh, there's way more than three, but uh, <laughs> of course, Oklahoma, 15-Minute yep. Dream Ballet changed everything. What else? There are, there are like 10, I think. Okay, well, uh, we have, of course, Carousel. Of course, Carousel, right yeah. after Oklahoma with Rodgers and Hammerstein. Actually, though, it wasn't right after Oklahoma. There was a little show that, there was a, a musical that she choreographed called Bloomer Girl in 1944. Oh, right, Bloomer Girl. Right. And then Carousel came along in 1945, right. which featured another Dream Ballet. Right. And then we also have Allegro in 47. Allegro. Kind of a uh, Roger and Hammerstein musical. Mm-hmm. Didn't Brigadoon? Well. Oh, of course she choreographed Brigadoon. I just talked about this in my class. Gentlemen prefer blondes, nineteen forty nine. Right. Oh my gosh, yes, gentlemen prefer blondes. We were just talking about that. Paint your wagon, nineteen fifty one. Right. Uh, the Girl in Pink Tights in 1954. The girl, you know what that's about? Huh. I just talked about this in my class. The Girl in Pink Tights is about the black crook. Oh, that's right. I heard about yes. this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Goldilocks in 1957. And then oh. last but certainly not least, kind of rounding out number 10 uh, of, of major Broadway choreo- choreographic work is 110 in the Shade. Right. 1963. So quite a prolific career, not only in the ballet world with the American Ballet Theater, but also with... Um, Broadway choreography for musicals as well. So we just want to remind you all that are listening there that um, to keep striving to find, discover, keep peeling away those layers and discover who you are and how you can bring the most truthful version of yourself into the room. And that words matter. Mm -hmm. And if a word affects or insults or makes anyone uncomfortable, it takes little to no effort to just adjust your language. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye. Thank you.